you raise your hand if you set a New Year's resolution in the beginning of this year? Yeah. Now keep your hand up if you have already quit that resolution. Oh, oh, oh. All right, a few of you. Yep. Raise your hand if you, you are still going strong with that resolution. Yeah, very cool. So we got some people out there. Am I, am I louder than normal? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Is there a way we can change that? I feel like I'm... Awesome. Sabrina, everybody. So if you don't know who Steph Curry is, he is a basketball player, uh, an NBA player uh, for the Golden State Warriors, and so he's won a few championships. Um, believe it or not, one of the guys I went to high school with, James McAdoo, played with him uh, for the Warriors in some of the championship games. We got to watch him. It was pretty cool. Uh, and he's actually a Christian. So it's kind of cool. It's like, all right, uh, we're setting New Year's resolutions. You got to see that there's someone coming alongside of you, like Steph Curry, to help you out, you know? Got to live in community, right? But actually, because I was doing some research on this, because I was curious about what the stats of actual New Year's resolutions are, do we all end up like the guy on the couch eating pizza? And I actually found out that according to research, 92% of people that set New Year's resolutions will give up on it by the end of the year, if not actually earlier. So actually only 8% of people that set New Year's resolutions actually follow through on them. Can you guess what the biggest resolution of last year was? Any guesses? Yeah, working out, losing weight, right? That's like everyone's dream is to lose some weight. Uh, and actually, the rate of failure is so bad that out of all Americans, only 42% are actually going to set New Year's resolutions. And so most of us are just like, yeah, you know, I already know I'm probably going to fall through on it, so I'm just not even going to start, like our friend Michael Briggs. <laughs> but Randy, good for you. Going to the gym. And we often give up, and if only we had Steph Curry to come alongside of us, we might actually be healthier, we might actually be stronger, and we might even be more spiritual. You never know. But tonight we're starting a three-week series centered around that idea of new year, new me. And if this is your first time here, we just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you're here. This is an ever-growing and expanding community. Um, oftentimes people will be like, how do I join IV? It's like, it's kind of nebulous. You just kind of come, you know? And you get involved in this community. We want you to be in small groups and stuff like that. Those are some of the ways. Um, but it's a great time to start, and it's a great new series, New Year, New Me, and we're going to be talking in the next three weeks about three specific new things. We're going to be talking about a new body, we're going to be talking about a new soul, and we're going to be talking about a new spirit. We're going to ask the question, what would it look like for our community to be renewed by the gospel? What would it look like for us to live into intentional community with each other? What would it look like for my own personal faith to experience renewal this year? How can I go grow closer to God and experience renewal in my own intimate faith? And then what would it look like for the faith of our community to lead us into action here at William & Mary? And tonight we're going to be talking specifically about renewed community. So I'm on staff with university here, uh, which means my full-time job is to come on campus, hang out with y'all, um, go to large groups, go to some of our different events, and it's a great job. But I also went to William & Mary, which is fun. So I graduated in 2016. 
Um, and one of my favorite stories is back when I was a freshman uh, in 2012, I showed up and I was trying to think about what is community actually going to look like. Like, you know, we see a lot of things on the media of like college, you know. And so I had this picture. I was like, okay, am I going to come to college and it's going to look like that movie Neighbors with Zac Efron versus Seth Rogen, you know, fighting it out, the frat house versus the suburbia. Uh, I thought that could be one of the things it looked like. And then I was like, well, maybe it's going to be, be more like Pitch Perfect. And I'm going to join this sweet acapella group, and three movies later, I'm going to be touring the world, and I'm going to be a superstar. But then I had to remember, I had to keep telling myself, Connor, remember, you're actually going to William and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's a little nerdy there, so it might not be the neighbor's experience. It may be the Pitch Perfect experience. I actually did join an acapella group the first two years, so it's kind of like kind of live in the pitch-perfect life, but, you know, we still had these stereotypes of, like, what college would be. And so maybe that was some, one of those two movies was something you saw, or maybe it was some from a TV show or something, but we always have something in our heads that always turns out to just be partly true. But a few months into my freshman year at college, uh, I started to figure out what community was, and I got started getting into, invited to things that people uh, were hosting. And so it came time that my small group leader, uh, Dan Conline, invited me to this uh, traditional event that uh, some of the senior guys' apartments holds. And when he first told me the name, I was like, uh, this, this, it has to be something else, right? Like, this isn't really what we're going to. Uh, and it was pretty straightforward, right? So he kept talking us, to us about this yearly tradition of pudding wrestling. Pudding wrestling. Yeah, so me too. I was kind of like, that's not really pudding wrestling. It's got to be, you know, some Christianese for like something spiritual, like pudding wrestling, you know? But it wasn't. It was actually pudding wrestling. So... The night came, um, senior, some of the senior guys, they took all the furniture out of their apartment, Nicholas 307, they cleared it out, they put some trash bags on the walls and on the floor, and they inflated a plastic swimming pool and put it in the center of their living room. And then they proceeded to make chocolate pudding and dump it into the pool. Seriously. And then they invited like 50 of their friends at William & Mary to come into the room and one-on-one -on -one wrestle each other in the pudding. So I keep hearing about this, and we're trying to decide if we're going to go. You know, so me and some of my friends from my freshman hall were like, ah, like everyone's talking about it, like it might be cool, like it also sounds pretty weird. And we decided, all right, we're just going to show up. We are just going to show up, and we show up at this apartment. And I remember the. But before we even got in, there was something weird that happened. So the door was open because it was really hot. And so we're walking up, and even though the door was open, when we stepped through, it was like we were stepping through an invisible barrier of heat and chocolate. <laughs> and you could just feel it consume you. So you like stepped in, and it like all of a sudden, every inch of your body's already covered in this like weird chocolate sensation. And we kind of like wander in, we don't really know anybody, you know, when you're a freshman and you're like in this new senior space, it was mostly seniors, and we're like, hmm, like, we don't really know when, and we had a choice ahead, like, are we going to actually be like, yeah, like, we'll jump in the pool, or are we going to like go hide in the corner and then leave as soon as we can? You've been there, right? You've been at probably an event your freshman year where you were like, we're either going to dip, or this is going to be awesome. 
And then my small group leader, Dan Conlon, makes eye contact with me. And he's like, yes, you made it. Like, you're going to do it. You're going to get in the pool. And next thing we know, we're like, all right, we're going to get in the pool. So my, this is kind of like, yeah. So this is proof that it actually happened. So my other friend, this is kind of confusing, but this is true. So my other friend's name was Dan. So here comes the confusing part. My small group leader is Dan. My friend was Dan. And Dan and I jump in first. And we proceed to wrestle each other in front of all these things. And I will put it on record that I won. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dan, if you are watching somewhere, know that uh, this is now coming back up. So we were encouraged to be part of this. And then after we had wrestled a little bit, our friend Bree jumped in. Uh, this was us post. Uh, but go back to the first one because then they were like, all right, everybody that's here, we're going to jump in the pool and take this big group photo together. And I'm like, what is happening? So that is me up in the red, <laughs> up there in the top right corner, my friend Dan, my friend Bree. My small group leader is kind of covered by this white. But then you see our, uh, our old small group coordinator, our old outreach coordinator over there, all sorts of legacy people. And then you can see in the next photo, we went back to our dorm. Um, I'm not going to embarrass him, but a certain guy who's sitting in the back, who was my freshman roommate, who's actually here, didn't get in the pool, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I kind of liked it, you know? At this point, it was kind of fun. I was like, this is going to be a great story. Dan and everyone else, they were kind of uh, annoyed that they had to do this, and then we showered right away. But this story, right? is such a defining moment at William & Mary for me of jumping into a community that was really strange. <laughs> it was really strange. And we didn't quite at that point feel like InterVarsity was a home for us. We were just showing up, we were doing the things, but it wasn't a home. But when you put a giant inflatable swimming pool and you fill it with pudding and you wrestle people in your freshman small group, that just creates some amazing bonding experiences. Now, the disclaimer is, so we had some of our leaders met on Monday, and I mentioned that we used to do smash nights, and now we're doing smash night. Because I, it, you know, we bring it up. So we can table the uh, pudding wrestling for a little bit. We do not have to do that next weekend. Just wanted to throw that out there. But that's one of my favorite, like, only in college stories. Like, it's like, could be a scene in the neighbor's movie, you know? But when I pull it back, I've been thinking about that event a lot for the last four years. And when you pull it back, I thought about how often we are asked to step into strange new communities. When you showed up here at William & Mary, you were asked to step into a bunch of new communities. Your freshman hall, you were asked to live with someone in, in a room and live in that little community. You had to build community uh, with people in your classes. You had to build community with your small group and other clubs that you're involved in. You had to do a lot of work to build these communities. Now, maybe they aren't all pudding wrestling communities, right? But they were new, and they were probably a little scary. And actually, in the Bible, we see that in a world post-Jesus' death and resurrection, there's this trend of people that had experiences with Jesus wanting to step into these strange new communities. Now, some people were either really close with Jesus while he was on earth, or they had some supernatural experience with him after he left. And all of these people came together and wanted to start new, intentional communities. And one of the greatest community builders of all time was the Apostle Paul. And Paul would travel around the ancient world and he would plant these new communities all over the place. 
he would plant these pudding wrestling type communities. Now, I don't really mean pudding wrestling, but what I mean is they were hot, they were intimate, and they were, you know, messy. They were close and intentional, and they were with very specific purposes. And in Paul's case, he was building communities that were renewed by the good news of Jesus. Communities that really centered around loving people and living in the knowledge that our sins had been forgiven on the cross. And we could enter into something new. They were renewed by the gospel. People now had direct access to God because of what was done on the cross. And we see in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, that these communities were doing radical things. They were giving away the things they owned. They would sell everything and live together. They would, uh, they would challenge each other to be in prayer, and they would eat together. They would dig into some of the sin issues that were prying their, into their communities. These strange new communities weren't perfect, right? Because there were people in them. But they were renewed, and they were radically different from what was going on in the culture around them. And Paul's mission was to go around and spread these new communities in different places. But he didn't want to just spread them and then leave and never talk. He would actually write these letters to go back and communicate with the people. And he would develop deep relationships with the communities that he found. In one letter in particular, he talks about what it means to live in an intentional community. He wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and he first used the language of communities that follow Jesus looking like a body. And that's why tonight we actually titled it New Body. So the video might have made you think I'm going to tell you how to eat healthier and, and like work out and all those things. That's actually not what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we are talking about intentional community, a new body of people, believers in Jesus. So we're going to look together at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. And it's going to be up on the screen, and I'm going to read it for us. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given this one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of many parts. Oh, sorry, the body is, sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So this is where this imagery starts to come in, that the Spirit of God is uniting people together. Now, the Spirit of God is kind of an interesting concept, right? So what we can think of it as is, is the presence of God here on earth that's knitting together people into this new family. And he paints the picture of a body because of all the different things, all the different parts of the body that are still united as one. It's a pretty cool picture. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Now if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for the, that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop, be parting, part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So even when we take a bunch of people and we put them together and we say, you know what, these people's common value is going to be Jesus. And maybe not everyone, but that's going to be the majority common trait. You're still going to have a lot of differences, right? At the beginning, Paul talks about the Jews and the Gentiles. So he's already acknowledging, hey, this community, this new community is going to be one of many different ethnicities. And these different ethnicities are going to bring different cultural backgrounds. And already that's going to cause some mess in the community because some people are going to want their cultural background to come to the forefront while others can't let their come to the forefront. And when you get a bunch of different people together, even though they are united in the gospel, you still are going to have a, maybe a bunch of extroverts and maybe a bunch of introverts. You're going to have a bunch of dreamers and a bunch of schemers. You're going to have a bunch of feelers and a bunch of thinkers. You're going to have a bunch of planners and a bunch of improvisers. That was the Myers-Briggs. <laughs> I don't know if you thought that. But in this new community, there's going to be opportunity for a lot of butting heads, right? There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be, hey, why am I not more like that person? That person can really sing and I can't. Why are they gifted like I can? Like I am. Why am I not gifted like them? <laughs> or you may say, man, that person is not being as social outside of the lobby as I am. I am so good. I am a great Christian. Right? So much opportunity for this stuff to happen. But in the body of Christ, this new renewed community, we need all these different things. All the extroverts, all the introverts, all the everything. That's the picture that we get. This is why, for example, in InterVarsity, we have leadership structures that allow people to do lots of different things. In InterVarsity, we have people that are pursuing outreach. We have people that are pursuing logistics. We have people that are pursuing music. We have people leading small groups. We have people saying hi to people as they come in. We have people standing up and doing MCs. We want to create a range of ways that you can express your gifts. It doesn't matter as long as you're participating in what God is calling you to do. God has designed you in a way to be part of a body where your gifts can flourish. Now, sometimes that's scary because we're like, well, what's my gift? What am I even good at? I don't even know. And that's a great opportunity for you to invite a really close friend to maybe speak into you of what your giftings are. Or you could even ask the Lord in prayer, hey, what have you gifted me with? And what I love about this part of this passage is Paul's a little sarcastic. I don't know if you can catch it. But he uses this funny, like, language of, well, I, you know, uh, if I'm not a hand, I don't belong. And so I want to be a hand. Or you have eyes wanting to be ears and ears wanting to be eyes. When we try to be something we're not, things don't go the right way. And we can think it's absurd for, like, our body parts to want to do that. But yet, we still let envy and jealousy drive us in our behaviors and community. Paul is telling us to acknowledge the differences between each other. And then turning into what God has gifted you to focus on what you can bring to a community. And this is hard, right? It is hard to practice gifts in community. It's hard to be in community. And Paul knows this. 
Because the way people are, natural hierarchies form, right? In the church and Christian community, we often see some gifts as better than others. We see the people down front as the good, like, perfect Christian with better gifts. And we consider things like serving and people that want to be in the background as lesser. But what Paul is saying is that this community needs to be flipped on its head. The ones that are often told they don't belong or fit in do have a place. How is a community supposed to treat those people? Let's keep reading. Verse 21. The eye cannot save the hand. I don't need you. And the head cannot save the feet. I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresented, I'm sorry, unpresentable, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if every one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. When we live in these new, renewed communities, it can get messy. Paul recognizes that leaders, extroverts, or social superstars often get more of the glory. But he flips the tables on what we need to live into and expect out of the community. The people that are praised don't need special treatment. But those that are weaker are named indispensable. We can't do this without them, without some of you. Parts that are, our culture would deem less honorable are given something special, a seat at the table and a voice to be heard. The parts that are deemed less honorable or somebody would deem unpresentable is made beautiful through Christian community. And now you might be thinking, Wow, I wish that was true. I wish we saw that for real played out. I wish that's what real Christian community looked like because the truth is, it's really hard to live into that, right? And a lot of you tonight have probably not experienced that to its full extent. Some of you tonight are coming in probably burned by the church before or potentially skeptical about if this is even possible. People have been cast out. People have been burned by Christians. But it is never too late to renew a community through the power of Christ. Christ is in the business of constantly making things new. And what would it look like for us to live in this community and to be one that suffers with each other and to be one that rejoices with each other, as Paul says? So I want to leave us with three practicals of, like, how do we actually take some steps to doing that? How do we actually do this? So I want to go back to the pudding wrestling party. Step one, show up to the party. You've got to show up. If you want to build intentional communities, you have to be there. You can't build intentional, close relationships with people that you never see. 
Oftentimes, I know a lot of us get anxious or feel stress about um, going into new spaces. Even standing outside of the lobby is often very stress-inducing for people. We know that. It's hard. And it often can feel like there's an invisible barrier between you and a new community. And maybe or maybe not, it feels like hot chocolate. But it's there, right? But sometimes you have to just take a leap of faith and show up. And you're not going to regret it. When you start participating in the body of Christ, you feel like you're part of something. You can feel like your place matters. Number two, jump in the pool. Get in the arena. It's one thing to show up. It's another thing to actually jump in that pool. Just because you show up doesn't mean that you're growing and intentionally living with people. And this is the risky part, right? Because you can make small talk with people. But it's hard to get close and deep and vulnerable with people. Now, we're not asking you to get to be deep and vulnerable with every person in this room, right? But it would be great if you found one or two or three people that really knew you, that really knew your story, why you're here. It means asking other people their stories as well, and then really listening to them when they tell you their story. It means learning the pains and the struggles and sharing yours as well. It means supporting people when they need it and trusting them to support you when you need it. I'm so glad that I jumped in that pool, not just that night, but also with people in my small group that I grew with, the people that I've lived with, actually getting real with people. Third one, invite a friend. I wouldn't have shown up that night to Pudding Wrestling if my small group leader, Dan Conline, hadn't constantly told me about it. I would have never jumped in that pool if Dan hadn't encouraged me and pulled me in. It took Dan, a senior guy, to say, hey, I want you here. I want you in my place. I want you to be welcome here, and I want you to invite your friends too. These communities that Paul was building were not meant to be communities of exclusivity. They weren't meant to be meetings that happened in closed doors and back rooms. They were meant to be seen and to be invitational. Anyone was invited to a church that Paul started. We don't want to hide away. Because when we experience being invitational and hospitable, people can hear the gospel, right? When they, people get to hear the gospel and fellowship with us, they can experience God, right? And this is why I get that language from 1 John. John was one of the followers of Jesus, and he says it really well in verse 3 of 1 John. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We want to be proclaimers of the gospel so that when people come and fellowship with us, they get to experience being with God himself. We want to be a community that is invitational and hospitable. We have room to grow in this area here at InterVarsity. It's easy to get in clicks, to talk to only the people we know. It takes turning to the outward to welcome people that are new. If we can commit to this together, the, this community can experience renewal. It's because we are part of the body of Christ that we get to experience this deep community. And I'm not just talking about here at the university. 
I'm talking about our time in the church and the years after college. Don't we want Jesus to renew this community? Don't we want to be a place where ethnic minorities are counted as indispensable? Don't we want to be a place where LGBTQ Christians are given dignity? Where people dealing with disability or disease might be treated with special modesty? To be a new body, a renewed community, we have to show up. We have to jump in the pool. And we have to invite people to be part of it. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for this radical community you started when you came all those years ago. Thank you that you did something amazing through your death and resurrection, and this world has been changed because of it. Thank you for your servants, Paul and John and Peter, that created these communities that model what we can live into. Lord, I pray tonight that we would experience a home here at William and Mary, a spiritual home where we can get to know you more. God, would we be challenged to show up? Would we be challenged to jump in the pool? Would we be challenged to invite a friend? Lord, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name.